Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. Good evening, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Mac and Reed Show right here on the Barroom Network. I am joined, as always, by Mr. Ross Reed. You can follow us on Twitter. Follow me at the Real Evan Mac and follow Ross at Ross Reed. And thank you to the Barroom Network for hosting us on this fair evening. Remember, you can catch all our previous uh, episodes on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. Watching us live on YouTube. Thanks for tuning tune in to the Barflies. We have a lot to get to on the show tonight. The questions are arising now as the Bears fall to one and one uh, as they lost their first game of the season against the Packers. A, a very familiar feeling in Lambeau Field against Aaron Rodgers. So repercussions are a lot after that. So, you know, is it time to panic on Justin Fields? How could the Bears get back on track through the air? You know, we're previewing the game against Houston coming up this Sunday. We will also, of course, dive into all the week two action of the nfl fly eagles fly the bills hurting feelings out there Tua balling out for the dolphins and the best comeback of the weekend was wildest game of the weekend by far and surprises along the way top five biopics bring the top five back today as we have that new marilyn monroe movie starring anna de armas coming out on on netflix tomorrow uh gotta love her top five biopics that's fun that's a that's a broad category we'll, we'll get to that and to begin, how you doing, Ross? You were at Lambo. What's good? I was at Lambo. Um, I, I I know this is blasphemy to say as a Bears fan, but Lambo Field is top five sports experience that you can have in this country. It's, it's it, it is really it's it's hard to top it. The stadium is amazing. It's planted right in the middle of this town. We got an Airbnb. That was literally four blocks away. You're just walking down the street with a spotted cow. Everybody's walking around with a case of bush light. There's like three bars in the whole city that everybody goes to. It's really a blast. I, I, I implore everybody to go to Lambeau Field and take in a game there. Um, obviously, the outcome was not what we expected, but um, outstanding experience as always. It, it's a terrific. It's, it's not a bad drive, about three hours from Chicagoland area. Um, but it, it's a great experience as always. Go see Bears Packers. It has to be on every uh, Chicago sports fan's bucket list. Yeah, I'm jealous that, that you have gone. I, I know a lot of people have made the pilgrimage to Lambeau just for the experience. I would I would certainly like to be on the winning end, but I know a lot of sad Bears fans from over the, the past years as the Bears have been terrible. Uh, they still say it's it's just one of those, again, top five experiences for a sports fan, one of the best stadiums around. So welcoming. And, you know, talking about it, it must have been pretty miserable, Ross, as the Bears fell. They started off pretty strong scoring first, but then falling ultimately 27 to 10, looking uh, pretty familiar as Aaron Jones paved the way. 
Aaron Rodgers was really efficient on the day. Sammy Watkins turned three catches into 93 yards. You know, he's running around to Lazard. It was just Aaron Rodgers doing Aaron Rodgers things. And the Bears looking pretty lost, right? And we went into this game thinking it was going to be a little less even than the 49ers. The 49ers, of course, we know were a pretty good team, and we'll talk about them later in the show as they suffer a pretty big setback at quarterback. And that, that was a sloppy game that kind of neutralized the, the, the offenses a bit and kicking games, defenses. It was just a, a game of, of, of better chances. One team was taking over another. But talking about this Bears-Packers game before we, of course, preview uh, Lovey coming back to town and, and playing the Texans, which should be uh, a bit more even at the bottom of, of the ranks of the NFL. The offense, you know, you never want to peak too early and, and show all your tricks, and it certainly looked that way. You thought, like, man, I've seen this before. We've seen this on Sunday night where Bears jump out ahead and, and they look good and they're having this gimmick play and Equinemius St. Brown has a big gain and then – Justin Fields is looking sharp, offensive line looking sharp. And, you know, right after that, after the, the Bears went up seven, it was just all Packers from then on. And it was it was a big disappointment in all phases to me. It's the same old story. It was deflating from a fan's perspective, as all of you know out there, that these, these, uh, these are very hard-fought games. And, you know, Green Bay looked like they were going to give it up at, at, at the end, too, or give the Bears at least a chance. But... You know, to the first question, when, of course, we're evaluating how we got to this point when the Bears uh, lost this game to the Packers, a lot of it's going to fall on the quarterback. And, and we knew that Justin Fields was going to have a tough time against this defense and tough crowd in Lambeau Field. So to Ross's question that he poses, you, you know, in this rundown, is it time to panic? Man, this goes back to preparing Justin Fields to be successful. To me... It just comes back to him obviously having a solid, solid offensive line. He's got to have weapons to throw to, which he's not fully healthy. You didn't have Vilas Jones, and it looks like Darnell Mooney and those guys, and, and Pringle. It looks like the chemistry isn't quite there yet. Perhaps most important of all, though, just didn't make sense to me and, and to a lot of fans and to critics of the team across the NFL. You have to have opportunities to make throws and make plays, and 11 times – throwing the football is just not nearly enough times to make a dent into this deficit that was that was pretty early on going into the half. I, I just didn't understand it. Uh, to, you know, to me, it comes back to that when you're reading Justin Fields and thinking about, is it time to panic? If, it's, if the coaching's still like this, then yes, man, you're not giving the guy a chance. Josh Allen threw it 38 times last week. Jalen Hurts threw it 31 times. Mitch Trubisky threw it 33 times, and he completed – two-thirds of his passes. That tells you anything. Why, in God's name, is he not being allowed to throw it? Like, what are you going... What's going through your mind to stunt his development at this point and his progression as an NFL quarterback? Why are you letting this happen? It just boggled my mind to see, as much as this loss falls on on all these players and the coaches and all the staff, they'll, they'll all say the same thing. It certainly falls a lot on coaching to me. It really let me down to see Luke Getze calling a game like he did. Uh, you you ruined a big game from David Montgomery uh, and some big opportunities late, I think largely because of this play calling. It was, you're not in the fucking downpouring rain. Let him throw and give his team a chance to make plays. So, you know, Ross, to answer your own question, is it time to panic with Justin Fields? What say you? 
Um, I, you know what? No, I don't think it's time to panic with Justin Fields. I, I think, you know, for a young man that only has, you know, I think that was his 12th or 13th start in the NFL right now. I think there's still plenty of time for him to um, show us the kind of quarterback who he is. I think we have both maintained that we want to see how this entire year you know, kind of comes to fruition, right? All 17 games this year before we really start to kind of see the kind of the quarterback who Justin Fields is. Um, I completely agree with you. The, the game plan was rough. Um, the, the Bears were, you know, obviously very successful on the ground, especially in the second half of the football game, but it didn't really equate to anything meaningful. I know they got seven points taken off the board uh, because of a, a questionable call near the goal line there in, in the fourth quarter. But, you know, the fact of the matter is you, you hit on the head you're in this league you're gonna have to be able to put the football in the air to in order to win some football games right and you know it, the bears are, are coming out and saying they want to be this run first ball control offense and you know that's all sounds great in theory can you take a guess where the bears are at right now in time of possession uh through two games this season where their ranking is oh probably dead last they're, they're close. They're 29th in the league right now. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So they're 29th in the league right now. So when you're a run-first football team and you still have one of the worst time of possessions in the league, it goes to show you that that doesn't really – that's not successful. That's not how you how you win in 2022. At the top of the league right now, you've got San Francisco 49ers, uh, Cincinnati Bengals, Cleveland Browns, Philadelphia Eagles, Miami Dolphins, right? You see a lot of pass-first teams on that list of Dolphins. I don't even think they're – they're even close to running the football right now. They have two guys in the top five in, in uh, receiving yards um, right now with Waddle and Tyreek Hill. So, you know, I, I know when you look at the numbers, it, it seems like Lou Getze called a more balanced passing attack um, because he probably called about 18 passes. When you factor in that, you know, three sacks were taken, a couple scrambles in there, an illegal forward pass. Um, you know, compared to like 22 runs. But the problem for me is the Bears only ran 42 plays overall, 41 plays overall. That's just not going to cut it. The league average is in the 60s. So you're 20 plays under the league average. And you see why your defense is exhausted and they're getting gashed on the football field. This team has to learn how to string together drives and get meaningful points, uh, you know, on, on the scoreboard. I'm not ready to panic on Justin Fields. I think he'll come out this Sunday. I think he'll have a much better game. But I do think he struggled. I do think he struggled a little bit to 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 rip it when he needed to. There's a couple plays and a couple of throws that he left out on the field to me. I think he's playing um, too safe right now. Um, I think the right side of that offensive line, Larry Borum, did not have a good football game. I, I, I sat there and I, I watched that offensive line. He struggled mightily. You know, Rashawn Gary is, is a great pass rusher, and he just couldn't do anything against Gary all day. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that 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 right side of the offensive line, these tackles play better, give Justin more time, and I want Justin to, you know, we've been, I, I feel like we've been preaching about this since before preseason. Three step drop, throw. Three step drop, throw. Three step drop, throw. I want him to get into a quick rhythm and get about eight or nine completions underneath his belt, get these receivers some touches, and then all of a sudden you can start your play action. You can start taking your shots down down the field, right? Justin is a big game, a, a, a big play quarterback. He wants to hunt down the field, but you still have to get him into a little bit of a rhythm early on. I always remember when um, when, when they would talk about Bill Cartwright or, or even Kendrick Perkins during the championship years. And the coaches would always say, I got to get this guy a touch or two early on in the first quarter on offense, 
or else I'm just going to completely lose him out throughout the game on both sides of the court. And I feel like it's the same way with a quarterback and receivers is you got to be able to get these guys touches early on, even if they're little five, seven yard bullshit games or something like that, you got to get the football in their hands, get them a good lather, and then you could start taking your shots downfield. So all in all, Green Bay is still a better football team than the Bears right now. Um, I, I think there are some pluses that you could take away from that. The running game did look good. David Montgomery looked great. I think the the interior of the offensive line is really coming together right now. And um, the defense did hold Green Bay to three points in the second half, right? So, um, you know, that was, you know, that. <laughs> so. <laughs> that oh, let me put you in the chat. Sorry, continue, Ross. <laughs> that made me laugh. Um, so those are the encouraging things about it. I do think that Justin is going to be okay. I Listen, if you put his numbers side-by-side side with Josh Allen's first 13 starts, they're almost identical to each other. It comes back to us saying it takes a lot of these young quarterbacks more than 12, 13 starts before we figure out who they are. Everybody was ready to write off Tua Tagovailoa, and he, he shows up with almost 500 passing yards on Sunday, right? So um, with all that said, I hope that Luke Getze comes out with a much better game plan. I'd like to see the Bears start to throw the football more on first and second down, right? Get into third and short plays. And then all of a sudden, a lot of those big plays will open up downfield. You get Justin Fields more comfortable. Yeah, if you, if you tune in for anything else during this show, it's for the Lovey Smith bot it's with his, with his terrible grammar. You guys will panicking after we shut you down. Well done, Lovey. <laughs> He's ready for his return. Uh, across the bottom of the screen, it mentioned that Luke Getzey called 19 pass plays, and whether it's a, a turnover or a blown player's sack, that's what it came back to. And Ross said it exactly. It's too early for me for the Bears to panic uh, with Justin Fields or Bears fans to panic, for that matter, because it's two games, and it was just the same script that we thought we'd seen over and over again with, with the Bears going into Lambeau and one of the toughest places to win a football game. The Bears just have not traveled well into Lambeau uh, over the years at all. So it just falls on the offensive line. It certainly falls on wide receivers, falls on the coaches across the board. You know, we didn't talk about the defense much. The defense certainly had their moments of – uh, getting after Aaron Rodgers, and it looked like, again, this Packers team is not unbeatable. I, I hate to, to see, it, it seems like every time this this happens when they play the Bears on the first or second game on Sunday night football, they're putting the top five of the league right away. That team's not that good. They almost blew the game late in the game, if, if, and Bears just obviously shot themselves in the foot many a times. And let's not forget the refs also you – know, also give them the benefit of the doubt many, many times. The touchdown that should have counted with Justin Fields could have been a big momentum swing, and we all saw that it was a fucking touchdown. I don't know what you're watching at home or what you're watching on the field, but uh, some, whatever they're paying you, it's not enough. It was ridiculous to me, but that's just a fan of me griping as well. Uh, your David Montgomery take, Ross, did not age well, but you know no. that was that's uh, maybe you lit a fire under his ass, and I'd love to see it because – you're going to need him throughout this season when you want to run a balanced program and, and run a balanced offense, I should say, with 122 yards. Man, he looked like the only guy who had any fight left him in the second half. He was yeah. looking like the uh, David Montgomery that we love, who's just breaking tackles left and right and extending plays. Like He just would just, I mean, not run the way that the play was designed and bounce off you know, outside the tackle. It was incredible. A great effort from David Montgomery. 
he looks like he has a chip on his shoulder and love to see that competitive edge. Yeah. But it, again, it comes back to with the offense and the rest of his team as they prepare to rebound against Houston and hopefully get a dub against the former Bears coach, Lovey Smith, and just a really shitty franchise in a similar place as the Bears kind of rebuilding. But the Bears have obviously many more pieces than Houston right now, especially a quarterback. These losses, like I'm reading Three Ring Circus right now, and a big part of Phil Jackson's coaching uh, philosophy, Three Ring Circus is about the three-peat, first three-peat with the Lakers uh, dynasty in the 2000s. But Phil Jackson, the coach at the time, you need those losses sometimes because it just brings you back down to earth and it really makes you evaluate each guy and, and look and look at yourself in the mirror and reevaluate your own performance as, as much as whether it's a coach, whether it's the kicker, whether it's the quarterback, they're all going to be reevaluating things going into this Sunday. And I know that like Justin Fields also too, what we haven't even scratched the surface on is, is him and his comments about, uh, the fans, it was in passing, basically talking about the, talking about the guys in the locker room who put the work in, and then eventually apologized because Bears fans took it the wrong way. You don't have anything to to apologize for. You, you're right. I, I mean, we get it as as a. I mean, you and I just certainly get it, Ross, from that quarterback's perspective. Uh, and he bleeds out there for his teammates, and going from last year to this year, and trying to flip the script and trying to build a winning franchise when it's been down at the bottom five of the league for so long. It is abysmal and it's tough. And it is these Green Bay games just, you know, they're, they're going to have to play them again later in the season. It, it's tough. Those are those the toughest games by far when you go into that that Lambo atmosphere and Aaron Rodgers is still doing Aaron Rodgers things and Aaron Jones with the sunglasses and the sombrero. Like it's just it's humiliating performances, right? It was. So, yeah. I mean, you know, a couple of things. Um, number one. I've been in quite a few NFL stadiums in Soldier Field a lot. That was the loudest stadium I have ever been in on Sunday oh, night. I've been to Lambeau before, and that was still the loudest stadium um, I've ever heard in my life before. They were they were all juiced up and ready to go. Evan, they were walking around drinking at nine o'clock in the morning in, in, in Green Bay for a seven o'clock game. They they were ready to go, and I'm not putting that as an excuse for the Bears to to lay an egg, but. It was truly a hostile environment. I don't think you could really grasp on TV how loud it was at that game as, as in the stands. Number two, you talked about the – I love the Phil Jackson point and looking in the mirror. And I'll give you one guy that needs to do exactly that heading into this weekend. I thought Roquan Smith played like absolute dog shit. Um, I, I, he, looked, he looked bad. He wasn't getting off of blocks. He was getting gashed in the running game. This is a guy that is supposed to be – the, the best player on the defense, the, the, the leader, he's supposed to be able to, to set the tone. And he was nowhere to be found out there. It, it was just absolutely trash uh, for him. And this is a guy who wants to get paid $20, $22 million a year. I'm sorry, but right now I don't see it. And, and he has got to come out with a much better effort um, starting this Sunday and the rest of the season if he wants to get paid the kind of money he wants to. Because right now Ryan Poles looks absolutely correct in not giving him that kind of money. I thought he looked like dog shit. Um, it was a tough game day for the rookie, Kyler Gordon. He was picked on all night long by Aaron Rodgers, especially when he was in the slot. Um, that's kind of a trial by fire. You, you got carved up by a Hall of Fame quarterback. That's going to happen. I think that Kyler Gordon, who's going to be a good football, good football player, is going to be able to rebound and bounce from that. I thought when he was playing on the outside, he looked a lot better. He broke up a, a pass that, that would have been a touchdown to, to Sammy Watkins, but he batted away. Um, so I thought he looked a lot better there. And another guy who has to look in the mirror, Cole Komet was dog shit too. And, and he has got to be a better football player. He 
you know, drops passes at this point. He can't get open. He was absolutely dog shit uh, in, in, in the blocking game, in the run blocking game. If you go to Dan Durkin, uh, who is a great follow on Twitter, he, he works with the Athletic, he broke down about five plays from, from Cole Komet, all run blocking plays, all of them getting his ass getting smoked. And that's just not going to cut it. He's too goddamn big. He's too physical to to put that kind of effort out there. It's just not going to cut it. And, and so when everybody's talking about Justin Fields this week, I think a lot of the guys have to look in the mirror and they got to sack up a little bit and and help their quarterback out, right? He was 100% right in what he said, and I can feel the passion and the energy in his voice. This guy's not used to losing football games. He's not used to losing football games against his biggest rival, right? He's, he he knows he's been in 110,000 you know, people stadiums and stuff like that. So um, – you know, I listen. I when I left the game, I had you know, I went, I left the game. I probably had six, I had six <laughs> beers already. I went back to the bar. I had like three more shots of fireball and like four more beers, right? Like, obviously, he he probably woke up in an ice bath the next day and, and, and had to like you know, wash away the pain that way, right? I just had a hangover. So clearly, these players take it a lot harder than my ass did uh, on the way home. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no question. Uh, that's that's the best way that we can recover, right? Rear view mirror. Yes. Heidi's my girl. Heidi, tell them tell them come at me if they're if they're messing with you. Don't don't let them roast you. He was bad on Sunday night. Don't let anybody tell you that Roquan Smith was not bad on Sunday night. I know he's being bothered by hip right now, but no excuses. Yeah, absolutely. The whole defense, and it's again the same story with with big opportunities and there were some takeaways and recovering fumbles. I mean, there were opportunities for the bears into the second half where, you know, it could have been a little more competitive and, and, but it, it certainly is, is a league that is dominated by scoring and throwing the football. So with that said, now heading to play the Houston Texans at this mm-hmm. point, and you know, we're back in, in the third game of the season where it's a nice little lull for the Bears playing the Texans, then the Giants. Uh, you go back home, you go back to Soldier Field, and probably the Giants. Crisp, uh, what's that? Undefeated Giants, though. The undefeated New York football Giants are back. I, I love it. I mean, it's it's a long time coming. Jan- Daniel Jones, the uh, the the savior that that you deserve, New York, but. <laughs> First of all, playing the Texans, yeah, you're going to have to play in in uh, Giant Stadium as well, which is going to be tough. But welcoming in the Texans, this this you would think would be a confidence building game. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears, you know, it's a slog for them and it's a little bit closer because Houston doesn't have a lot to play for. But Ross, when you think about the game plan going into this. I said it before, I certainly at least want to have 30-some plays called for Justin Fields to throw the football. I think that goes without saying. Weather's not going to be a factor. It's going to be a nice, crisp fall day uh, at the lakefront. Mm-hmm. Should be slinging it. You got your fans back with you. You should be playing well at home. It should be a heavy dose of David Montgomery. And then with the with the defense, as far as that's concerned, it's like you mentioned, Kyler Gordon and the rookies really – Took their lumps. It was it was tough getting picked on. The pass rush was was kind of inconsistent. Roquan, you know, in the comments here, we got Sloquan, we got Loafquan. Oh man, like that's that's got to fire you up when when I'm sure he's he does he, all these guys want to shut out the noise of any critics and all the beat writers and all that. But when you look at tape, you're going to get called out too in the same way by your coach Matt Aberflus, who is a defensive minded coach and your defensive coordinator and your positions coach, it is a rebounding game. This should be a confidence-building 
game. It should be a, I mean, dare I say a blowout. I, I want to see a blowout from the Bears after a poor performance like this in Green Bay. When you're at home, you want to focus on those things that, that uh, those themes that you want to get right throughout the rest of the season. Like Ross said earlier in the show, too. You want to see quick three-step drops. You have to want to see quick slants that you'll get. You want to see some rhythm with Cole Komet, with Darnell Mooney. Velos Jones hits the field for what looks like the first time. You want to see some chemistry there as well. Uh, but I do want to see that a little bit of what we've seen in the past with the, the defense dominating a bit more and taking it to uh, this this Houston Texans team. I think Jaquan Brisker, he was all over the field, uh, you know, playing most of the game. Um, Kyler Gordon, like we mentioned, uh, guys like that. Ro- Robert Quinn should still be building on some early success here in the season. Um but you want a more complete football game than we saw, obviously, against the Green Bay Packers because that was, that, that was just devastating for them. And now you play this this franchise that is just really floundering right now and just seems to have no direction. It should be an easy dub. Yeah, this is uh, this is uh, what we call a get-right game, right? This is a, a right. game that you're able to uh, you know, kind of flex your muscles a little bit. Listen, the Houston Texans are walking into Soldier Field on Sunday with probably a worse offense than the Bears. They're, they're – um, sure. either 29th, 30th, 31st, or, or, or 32nd in every single offensive statistical category right now, which means that the defense should be able to go out there and feast on them and put this Bears offense on a short field. Um, it's funny because the Texans' defense is one of the worst run defense teams in the league. So theoretically, the Bears should be able to run the football all day on them. Guess what? I don't give a shit. I don't care if the Bears have Moses in the backfield in the 1992 Cowboys offensive line. Justin Fields better put that damn ball in the air 25-plus times because I, I'll tell you this. For as good as David Montgomery played last week and as good as a football player David Montgomery is, he is not the future of your football team. Sooner or later, you're going to have to see Justin Fields put the ball in the air consistently and see what this kid can do. I don't care if he throws four picks. Let him throw the football 25 to 30 times because you have to figure out what you have with this young man. He is the cornerstone of your franchise right now. You have to allow him to do it. You have to take the training wheels off this guy. He, he Again, he's come from a, a, a large pedigree school in Ohio State. Before that, he was at Georgia, right? He's a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. He's a first-round pick. He's a very highly intelligent young man. He's highly skilled. He knows what he's doing out there. At some point, you can't play scared. Like, like our buddy Stacy King will say, if you're scared, you got to go buy a dog, right? You have to let him throw the football on Sunday. Let him throw it on first down. Let him throw it on second down. Let him throw it on third and short. You have to let him put the ball in the air and get him into a rhythm. So I, I'm hoping that we see him put the ball in the air 25 plus times on Sunday. I think that if we do, I think he'll respond very well. I think the Bears could, could be able to, to put up a big game. You know, right now, you know, Vegas is kind of disrespecting the Bears a little bit. This is only a um, – they're only two-and-a-half-point favorite despite the fact that they're at home against a really bad football team. They're not even giving you the the customary, you know, minus three on the line. They're two-and-a-half right now, and the over-under in this game is 40. That stinks. It's like you said. It's going to be a beautiful day on Soldier Field. There should be no reason why that football should not be tossed around in the air um, and, 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 you know, and put some offense on the board. Yeah, put points on the board. You just saw, I mean, Houston coming off a a nine-point effort, all field goals. They couldn't even find the end zone against the Broncos, and then the tie the week before that. Uh, I, I just, I got to say, it's 
it, it comes back to, of course, Justin Fields and just letting him rip it. Let him do what he did in a sort of college-type offense. I, I, you have nothing to lose throughout this season. The expectations, we knew that you know, going into game one, game two, and throughout the season – that this was a rebuilding year for the Bears. See what you have and build some confidence with Justin Fields and go on to the next year with with a better idea of who you keep on defense, who you extend, who you, who you keep on offense, who you extend, and what you have in the coaching staff and what you have in Ryan Poles as the new GM of this franchise. It is a get-right game. It looks like one of those games where the Bears uh, should certainly have a heavy dose of David Montgomery, like I mentioned earlier, and then – yeah, let Justin Fields rip it. and Let's see some takeaways from the Bears as well. Let's see them thump the Texans. That is dog shit that they, you know, only have that two and a half point, um, you know, advantage Favorite. going into this game. Favorite, yeah. So it's, have, it's on- you need to have well over sixty plays on Sunday, right? That gives you ample yeah. plays on both offense and I mean, I'm sorry, in both the running game and the passing game. Going back to an earlier point in the comments. I would not be outraged if Justin Fields threw four interceptions. I, I get more outraged by him throwing 11 passes in a football game. I, I'm sorry. I don't give a shit. Oh, in yeah. 2022, in this offense, Joe Burrow threw four interceptions in week one, and that guy was in the Super Bowl last year, right? Shit happens. I don't give a damn. I need to see him throw the football 30 times, 25 to 30 times a game, because if he's bad, then he's bad. But we got to figure it out. You're not going to figure it out with if, him, if he's throwing the ball 11 times a game. So you got to let him put it the ball in the air, and he's either going to figure it out or he's not. But I need to know, starting in these next couple of weeks, the kind of quarterback we have in 11 passes a game, that ain't going to cut it. Burrow also almost won that fucking game. Like, you know, that's a terrible example. Uh, I think, you know, looking around the league, uh, as we'll get to in a second, final thoughts on, on Bears and, and Texans matchup here. If you're the Bears, you know that – you're that bottom five of the league and that's, and still the national media is, is not laughing at you, but they are certainly like, I told you so to all the people who listen into them, the skip Baylesses of the world, the, the Stephen A. Smiths. And for, for these guys, it should be a reset, right? And it's, it's one and one you're you've lost your one away game. You could improve to two and one and still have a, a bit of confidence going into the Giants game and then getting right back into some NFC North play, which is the most important uh, evaluator going into the rest of the season when you play the Vikings in um, in week five com- coming up after that. So uh, parting thoughts on this matchup, Ross? We'll give predictions at the end. No, I'm excited. I'm going to back-to-back games. So if you're in Soldier Field this Sunday, um, how at your boy. I'll be there again. Uh, I'll be taking my lovely wife to the football game. So um, maybe uh-huh. only two, maybe only two fireball shots this time. <laughs> oh, the reads out, man. I have post wedding too, or no, that's next week. And I'm sorry. That's that is, uh, yeah, that'll be something. Yeah, it's good. You've uh, you, it's fall is here, man. This it is, is going to be, it'll be very beautiful by the lakefront. You know, speaking of the bears too, we'd be remiss if we uh, didn't talk about the, the hall of fame, nominations that came out of course Devin Hester and yeah. and Olden Krutz and Lance Briggs and Charles Tillman to me you know this is still mind-boggling that that uh, Devin Hester is not getting his dues as as the best at his position of all time and in, in everyone's eyes to me I don't know how you can argue against it and he's not in the hall at this point but uh, we love all those Bears players so much Olin Krutz just a, a maniac uh, Lance Briggs and and Charles Tillman great charles tillman charles tillman get in the hall just because every 
fucking broadcaster uses the peanut punch whenever we we hear about a fumble play, you know, a forced fumble play. So get them in there. I do. I, I think that Tillman and uh, Hester are the, are the best chances of that group to get into the hall. I don't know if it's going to happen this year. There's some pretty stacked names on that list. Even a guy like Jared Allen can't get in right now, despite the fact that he's top 10 in sacks of all time. Um, but I do think that eventually both Tillman and Hester will get in. They might have to wait another year or two, but eventually they will both get in. That's my prediction. Peanut forcing 42 fumbles in 12 seasons, man. Ridiculous. He had, he had a, a 10 in 2012. God damn. Unbelievable. And Hester, as we know, the all-time leading punt returner, kick returner, just electric. Lucky enough to – I was lucky enough to see him uh, return a kick once live. It was incredible. Something else. So to the rest of the league, and man, football certainly swinging and into the into week two, and the favorites are there. Obviously, the the Bills, like I talked about, are just thumping teams and just looking like every bit the Super Bowl favorite that they should, as they just routed the Texans and almost shut them out. Stephon Diggs with three touchdowns, Josh Allen with four touchdowns, the three of them two digs. Uh, it just nuts through the air this passing attack and the defense obviously just as good as last year and then you know uh, coming off the game uh earlier against detroit Mm -hmm. with the eagles you know jalen hurts looking really good as well out there and has you know a a shiny new toy and aj brown and and good uh i don't know which receiver was saying it three batmans and aj brown and quez watkins and i'm forgetting the third receiver oh Devontae smith he's the skinny batman that was great um but they look like a favorite in the nfc right now as well but that game of the week man it it was uh I, i mean i would say one of the games of the week was certainly the um the Raiders game, which was nuts, but mm-hmm. also how that Dolphins Ravens game, you thought it was, it was pretty over going into the second half as, as the Ravens were up 28 to seven. I had the Ravens defense on one of my fantasy teams. And I was like, okay, this is great. This couldn't, <laughs> this couldn't go wrong. Could it? Of course it, it did as the Ravens defense just fell apart and Tua Tunga Vailoa went off to the tune of six touchdowns and, 469 yards, obviously, uh, you know, a lot of that later in the game, too, putting 28 points up in the fourth quarter. It was a 42-38 win uh, by the Dolphins under their new head coach and and a new offense. And Tyreek Hill, by the way, going off for 190 yards and two touchdowns. It was incredible. So, you know, I mentioned, you know, a few different teams here, Ross. What else stood out to you before, you know, or, you know, the Dolphins' performance can, can stand out the most to you? But what else from, from week two? Yeah, even lost in the shuffle of that game. Lamar Jackson was like 21 for 29. And over yeah, he lit it up, too. And sure. over 100 yards on the ground. Everybody's like, Dang. they don't even talk about him anymore, right? Yeah, that yeah. That was an outstanding football game. Um, I'm going to give you one team that was really impressive to me on, on Sunday because I think that it's going to be a foundation for them setting going forward. The Jacksonville Jaguars just took it to the Indianapolis Colts. They won that football game 24-0 at home. I thought the Jacksonville Jaguars should have won week one against the Commanders, but they made a lot of um, mental mistakes, but I thought they were the better football team. They cleaned them up in week two. That's a testament to their um, you know, their, their veteran head coach, Doug Peterson, who obviously has a Super Bowl win with the Philadelphia Eagles. Trevor Lawrence looked outstanding. He had 235 yards. They've got two running backs there in Robinson and Etienne. And, um, you know, Christian Kirk, everybody everybody made fun of Christian Kirk and the Jaguars for paying him all that money and stuff like that. And guess what? Christian Kirk is top five 
in the NFL right now in receiving yards. He is earning every last dime that they gave him. He's proving to be a number one receiver um, for Trevor Lawrence. So shout out to the Jaguars. I think that um, you know you, you might be able to still get plus odds of them to win that division. It would not shock me at all because I think the Colts stink. Matt Ryan looks like garbage. Michael Pittman Jr. is having some, some injury issues right now. Um, so that was a really um, impressive win to me. Um, you know, obviously everybody's going to talk about the Buffalo Bills, right? Um, but but two teams for me on contrasting uh, views, right? Number one, prayers out to Trey Lance, number one. I hope that he recovers yeah. physically. I hope that he is okay mentally um, because that young man has, has gone through a lot over the last few months. I think we forget that these guys are human beings and we just you know, kind of treat them like robots. I can't imagine what he's going through right now. But... That is a different team with Jimmy G under the helm, in my opinion. I think they have a Super Bowl roster. He's obviously taken them to a Super Bowl before in an NFC Championship game last year. And I think that now he's going to be the quarterback for the rest of the season. you got to treat that football team a lot differently than you would have a couple weeks ago. That is a dangerous, dangerous football team. And you saw it on Sunday. Obviously, Seahawks are not much competition, but they took it to the Seahawks. Um, that to me is a scary football team going forward. I'm, I'm glad the Bears got that W out the way already. On the flip side of that, um, boy, the the Denver Broncos, man. I mean, to put up only 16 points against the Texans, Russell Wilson was absolutely terrible. I think he was something like 11 for 30 something in, 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 for 31 in, in, in passing or anything like that. He looked absolutely bad. And then you have to wonder now. Did they make a mistake by trading for Russell Wilson, who I don't know if he's paid him same, a lot of money too. Right? Yeah. They paid him a lot of money. They gave up, you know, multiple first round draft picks and players to get him there. And, you know, I've always maintained if Russell isn't moving and scrambling and, and, and on the run like he did in his prime, he's not doing that anymore, then I'm not sure how much of a um how proficient he's going to be at, at quarterback. And I'm a little worried about that situation. I think Nathaniel Hackett um, is an idiot. <laughs> I don't think he's a very good head coach. No, um, I, I think he's in over his heels a little bit. Obviously, there's still plenty of time for them to write the ship. But also, there isn't. Because you're in a division with Pat Mahomes. And then you're in division with Derek Carr. And then you're in division with, um, with Justin Herbert. Those are three outstanding teams. Those are three outstanding quarterbacks. You start falling behind a little bit, or you start, it's not, it, you're going to be out of that playoff race like that. And they didn't trade for Russell Wilson to go seven and 10, right? Or six and 11. They traded for him to go to the playoffs every single year. So I'm watching that situation going forward and, and kind of seeing how it shakes out. Russell needs to get back to old Russell, moving around, moving out of the pocket, scrambling in order for him to be effective. He's going to sit back there and have his little 5'11 ass back there. He's going to get his ass kicked. And he's going to happen. What's going to, ha- what's going to, ha- what's going to happen to him going forward is what's been happening to him the last couple of weeks. Yeah, no question. I, You know, Nomad points out, just give him time in a new offense. You don't have time. And, you, know, you don't have yeah, time. I, I, Tom I, I, in that division. You don't have time. Yeah, bro. You, you gotta go. It's already you're already into week three, and you're putting up 16 points. You you've been here before, man. New offensive or not, you have all these weapons around you. Have one of the the best young running backs in the game, John Javante Williams. And and I know what Ross said about the head coach, but dude, you gotta you gotta go. You gotta go go go. And Russ is familiar with uh, this sort of scenario. You know, to your point about the Niners, it's 
it's so tough for for Trey Lance to go down and 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 you know thoughts with him and and hopefully he has a good recovery. But we've seen this this story line before with Jimmy Garoppolo coming in and playing so well for this 49ers team that's loaded with talent at Jeff Wilson Jr. You know running the football. And obviously Debo and Brandon Ayuk uh, as his receivers and putting up 27 points on Seattle this past week. Like who's to say they can't compete really effectively in the NFC West now when it looks like the Rams uh, are certainly struggling. I haven't even talked about them in these first couple weeks. That Super Bowl hangover seems to be real. But Jimmy Garoppolo comes back to him being really effective in that defense with with Nick Bosa and company, it's uh, it's going to be tough to play them throughout the year. It's like Ross said too. The Bears got that one right out of the way. Got got one against the Niners, um, and I feel like the Bears should will probably have their their streak of the last two years where they play a Super Bowl winner, Super Bowl appearance. Like they played the Bengals last year, and then they played Tampa the year before. Beat both those teams. One of them won the Super Bowl. The other went to the Super Bowl. Um, I'm not saying that the Niners could be that team, but it may be the Bills will be one of these teams on the schedule. Uh, you know, as far as the Dolphins are concerned, Ross, are you putting them in the top five of the league right now? Is that just no question, or, or where do you rank them? I mean, you could, right, if you're doing something, you know, top five two weeks in, right? I mean, here's the thing about the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins on both sides of the football are probably the fastest team in the NFL. And when you can constantly put speed out on the field on both sides of the ball, you're going to be very dangerous. And they've, they've been able to figure out how to get the football in both playmakers' hands, even with Tua Tagovailoa, who's not the most accurate passer. Um, you know, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, you know, you get those guys out in space and they're absolutely dangerous. They haven't even gotten the running game going yet. And, and remember, you know, McCarthy came over from San Francisco as the one specialist and he hasn't even gotten that thing, you know, cooking yet. I think you're going to see a lot more Raheem Mostert in the backfield for them. Um, obviously, the next San Francisco guy. And I think that that team is going to continue to take off. Um, you know, obviously, they're in a tough division with Buffalo, but, you know, outside of that, you know, the Jets aren't much competition for them and, you know, neither are the Patriots in, 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 for that matter. So, you know, I, I think that they're going to continue to ascend. They look like they can be a 10-11 win football team. Listen, we get two games of the week this week, week three already. You get Buffalo versus Miami at, at noon on Sunday. That's a big football game, right? And it's in yeah. Miami. It's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. We see how teams do on the road going to, uh, you know, Miami. Let's see which juggernaut, you know, flinches first, right? Because it's going to be really fun to see Josh Allen go up against that high-powered, um, you know, uh, uh, offense for the Dolphins and see if they can match point for point with each other. And then Sunday night, right, you flash forward all the way to the end of the night. What did we just talk about? You get the Broncos in the 49ers. So you get Jimmy G and you get Russell Wilson. That's a huge spot and a lot of pressure for Russell Wilson He's in a home game. It's a Sunday night. And then you get a, a very confident 49ers team now with Jimmy G coming in there. Listen, man, if it, if the if the Broncos lose that football game, they start this season one and two, it's gonna all of a sudden the honeymoon is over a little bit. So those are two really good football games this weekend that we're gonna be watching. Man, yeah, those are two games to watch for sure. And you talk about the Sunday nighter and you talk about that they, that game against the Bills and Dolphins, but also, you know, when we're talking about top five so early on, Evan mentioned how the Buccaneers improved to 2-0, and but obviously, you know, no love lost between them and New Orleans and that whole scuffle with Mike Evans. And, <laughs> Who should not and, be suspended. 
who should not be suspended by the no, way both no. those those guys, yeah. those guys got to get thrown out but why would they get suspended like, it just didn't make a lot of sense to me with their history with him and Lattimore yeah. um but I mean that was that's again like when you have those divisional matchups you're going to see that in their history too Regardless, you lose Mike Evans now going into and playing, uh, you know, top games of week three. You got the Packers going to the Buccaneers and and you love it when two number 12s match up against each other. It it may be too early to and and again, talking about Miami Heat, it's going to be 90 and humid and gross in Tampa for sure. Uh, I feel like it's going to be one of those games where it brings the Packers back down to earth. It'll be very up and down. We're seeing again. The Packers were not that great last Sunday night. They play well on Sunday night against the Bears, but against Tom Brady and company, you you better believe that they're going to put Aaron Rodgers more on his ass. And, and Tom Brady, if they got to get Cole Beasley out there or get Terrell Owens out of t- retirement, whoever it is, he's going to sling it. Antonio Brown's crazy ass, whatever you want to do. They're, they're just going to, he's just going to find a way because that's, that's what Tom Brady does. But nothing screams Florida like Cole Beasley. That is- <laughs> <laughs> that's the most Florida football player of all time. He's going to fit yeah. in so well down there in Tampa Bay. He's oh, most be definitely. <laughs> uh, before we switch focus, you, you buying into the Eagles hype? I am. I am. I think I, I bet them at the season to win that division. I got them at plus odds. Um, I, I am buying in. I think they got one of the most complete rosters in the NFL on both sides of the football. I think Jalen Hurts, um, you, you know, getting – listen, this is a hopefully um, – a precursor to the future for the bears get your young quarterbacks quality weapons to throw the football to not cole fucking commit and brian pringle but actual guys who go to pro bowls and are really good football players like aj brown and jalen waddle and tyreek hill and dallas goddard and so on and so forth i love what the eagles have done uh, to surround Jalen Hurts with talent, just like I love what the Dolphins have done, just like what Buffalo has done with uh, with Stephon Diggs and what they've done there. Brian Poles, I know we got until next year, but ding, ding, ding. You want Justin Fields to be good? Put good players around him, please. Yeah. And the Eagles question. have one of the best, and the Eagles have one, and the Eagles and Dolphins have one of the best offensive lines of football as well. They do. Yeah, it starts up front for sure. And uh, Jalen Hurts, he can't speak enough about how he has progressed as a great young quarterback out there and then has just a a plethora of talent uh, around him. The Eagles are flying, uh, as as you just saw in the ticker as well. The Browns are up 7-0 on the Steelers. Uh, Ho-hum, both one-and-one teams. I I don't have have a dog in this fight. Keep it right there. I bet the I bet the under tonight for the football game. So seven nothing. Just call yeah. it. End the game yes, now. Sir. I'm good. Yes, sir. Uh, we're gonna talk five top top five biopics. Yeah, even you know right before that, I want your thoughts on Ime Adoka and I don't know. Nope. Follow Ross at Ross Reed on Twitter, and, and you'll get it all there, man. I, I uh, stay. Listen. Um, Shout it's out to Neil Long. Neil Long is <laughs> always been a favorite of mine is since a youngster. If you've never seen, um, she's in Friday. She's in Best Man. Um, she's she's uh, a, a terrific actress. She's a very beautiful woman, even at uh, her, her plus 50 age now. Um, so I hope she's doing okay. I hope she's, I hope she's, I'm sure she'll be uh, well comforted tonight. I'm sure plenty of men will be, uh, It'd be, be loving to come for her tonight. And, um, you know, Ime, God bless you, man. I hope it was worth it. 
someone tweeted out like all these these dudes sliding into Neil Long's DMs right now. It's just yes. all the guys in the All Star game shooting shooting the three point shots. It was it was epic. Uh, yes. yeah, that was hilarious. Uh, we, we will get to the top five biopics in just a moment. By the way, Ross, on the music tick the tip though, I got, you know I love Freddie Gibbs and, yeah, and I heard you, the freestyle. If you've uh, yeah, you listen to the Funk Flex freestyle, that was pretty nasty and, and funny interview. With it. he's just hilarious as usual, always getting banned from Instagram. Yeah. He's uh, doing that, but he's coming out with his album next Friday. How pumped are you for that? Uh, right after Alfredo, the follow-up. Yeah, I saw the track list. Very impressive track list. Very impressive features that he's got on there. Yeah, we love Freddie. Gary Indiana's own Freddie Gibbs. So shout out to, to Freddie. Gary, Gary, it's uh, SSS dollar signs. Yes. Dollar sign, dollar sign. Big Rabbit. The day oh. before my wedding, it drops. Let's go. It is. Day of your wedding, we also get um, Miles Teller hosting SNL for these uh, season premiere, and Kendrick Lamar will be the musical act as well. So make sure you set your DVR for that one. I shall. I certainly shall. Now to the top five biopics. Top five. You know, Ross came up with this this category for the top five due to Marilyn Monroe biopic with with the great Anna de Armas, who I I was rewatching Bond and how. She was That's, in that for far too short, by the way. Uh, Anna Dalmer is also top five right now. <laughs> yeah, sure. Look she, at that, though. What, yes, what a transformation, though. It's yes, pretty incredible. Yes. I'm, uh, I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm excited to see her. She was, she was in that Bond film way too short. Oh, look at that. She was, That's she was also did the, um, she did a, she did a Ben Affleck movie. Um, it's on Hulu right now. It's called Deep Water. Deep Water. Um, yeah. yeah, pretty, pretty weird movie. But she, she's done. She's amazing. She looks amazing in that movie as That's well. Ben so Affleck movie. She's also in. She's in Knives Out. If, if everybody saw yeah. Knives Out from a couple years ago, so she's a, she's very, uh, she's a rising uh, star right now, and. A terrific young actress, very gorgeous, but she she looks she looks like Marilyn Monroe a lot. This is not the first obviously Marilyn Monroe biopic. We saw one with Michelle Williams a couple of years ago. She was nominated for an Oscar, and then we saw one with um, Mia Sorvino and uh, Naomi Judd way back when in HBO movie. So Marilyn Monroe has been biopicked a lot, and uh, she is she is biopicked again. But I the Hispanic to- actress portraying Marilyn Monroe. Yes. It is Uh-oh. like John Wayne is Geng- John Wayne is Genghis Khan. It's going to be better. I'm I know. Just yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, but it's on Netflix, so you know, watch it from the comfort of your home. Pop a bottle of wine, little little charcuterie, and uh, Ross's, Ross's pairings with movies. I love it, bro. Yes. Um, but listen, for, for my biopics, um, you know, it's tough to whittle it this down the spot. Yeah, this is this is ridiculous. This is everything from American Underdog, Ooh. the Kurt Warner story, to fucking Lincoln. You know. Yes. I will say um, I did not do ensemble type movies, so you won't see Goodfellas on my list, even though that's an outstanding movie. Obviously, um, you won't see uh, The Social Network on my list as well, which is on Aldo's list. You see right here. That's a that's good list, Aldo. Yeah, kind of an ensemble uh, uh, movie list on there. Um, I also left some of the classics off my list. Um, I know people, you know, Patton is is high on people's list as is um, Lawrence of Arabia and Gandhi. Those two movies are not, those movies are not going to be on my list. Neither is Schindler's List. I've seen Schindler's List once in my life. I never want to watch it again. Um, it's an outstanding movie. Um, and number six on my list, I'll give you the number six, like runner-up, runner-up movie. Um, mm. It is, it, it's Capote. Um, oh. R.I.P. R.I.P. Philip, Philip Seymour Hoffman. 
Capote yeah. is, he won an Oscar for that movie. Absolutely outstanding movie. Um, I watch it about once every couple of years. Um, his performance was just a tour de force in that entire movie. That man was a superstar, one of the best actors that we ever had. And, and it sucks to see him uh, pass away because he, he was just an amazing talent. But Capote is a great movie, obviously, about the author. And, and has a little bit of a twist to it as well. So if you can find it, stream it, check it out. That's my number six. Uh, yeah. runner, runner up movie for me and then we can start top five whenever you're ready this list is just I, I mean the pin on this is just this list is impossibly hard when you it's have hard. The again like catch me if you can and Braveheart and you could consider those biopics but yeah. number five for you Ross you could set it off I'll set it off where is my number five for I, me I have <laughs> I got it right here I have back to back Scorsese movies at number five and number four for me number Boys. five for me is one of the movies that that made me fall in love with cinema. It's completely in black and white. It's about a boxer named Jake LaMotta. Of course, it is Raging Bull. Mm. So Robert De Niro drops down to about 160 pounds to play Jake LaMotta. Um, the, the the fights that he has in that movie with Sugar Ray Robinson were, were graphic. They were amazing. It's very difficult scenes that he had with his wife in the movie at the time. Um, Joe Pesci is absolutely outstanding in that movie. Fast forward to near the end of the movie, and they shut down production for months to allow De Niro to gain a bunch of weight. And he, he went up to about 240 pounds when Jake Amata got fat. So, you know, a huge physical transformation on both sides for De Niro. Absolutely outstanding movie. It's one of Scorsese's best. Like I said, shot completely in black and white. Um, number five is Raging Bull for me. The only moment of color in that film is the the lettering at the beginning, Raging Bull. Uh, number five for me, well, we'll keep it with Scorsese, The Aviator. Ooh. And Leo, this, I, I fucking love this movie. It doesn't get old for me. As Leo as the aviation legend, Howard Hughes, who was, yes. oh, such a weirdo. You know, you hear the legends of his, him locking himself, which is a big part of the, the film. Him locking himself in the theater and the, the jars of urine and the nails growing. But But outside of that, just a brilliant, brilliant man. And him, of course, you know, trying to uh, get really immersed into cinema and how he, you know, we talk about CGI and, and Ross, you could appreciate his approach to cinema when he's, he's, he's doing these world war one, world war two epics and these, these actual planes for fight scenes. And then uh, just, you know, really pioneering a lot of commercial industry and then aviation industry. He was a playboy too. that hell's a, movie that was just a huge project huge huge money pit and and such a good cast you got john c Riley in there you got alan alda back and sale you saw right across the, the yeah. screen there but leo right. did his homework too i mean it's an underrated film by uh scorsese and of course such a great pairing with with him uh, with leo and scorsese in, the, in this film al baldwin in it too but really yes well done and, and into uh, Hughes's later years. I think it really did a good job painting yes. a great picture of him. 100% agree. Great uh, Kate Blanchett as well. Um, yeah. Terrific in that movie. Loaded with stars. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to see your unhinged uh, Scorsese Leo performance. I'm going to raise you another unhinged Scorsese Leo performance. Number four for me is the Wolf of Wall Street. That's a great um, one. Absolutely. Um, you know, Jordan Belfort, the, the, the guy who, uh, went from penny bonds to, to swindling people out of millions of dollars and, and eventually was busted uh, by the FBI. But this movie is just an insane, quaalude, coked out uh, romp. It is hilarious. It is um, unsettling at times. Um, oh, yeah. It is um, 
has outstanding performances, like I said, from Leonardo DiCaprio, but I think Jonah Hill was robbed. I think he should have won an Oscar for this movie. He is outstanding. Um, this movie introduces the world to Margot Robbie, who looks absolutely terrific, and she's outstanding in this movie as well. Great Matthew McConaughey one scene uh, with the with the lunch scene that we see here on, on the on the screen. Um, this movie is outstanding. I literally just watched it again the other day for like the seventh time. And too. <laughs> the, the 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 Quaalude scene where he's super high and he's he's trying to get into the Ferrari and get back home is just some of the like seven to ten minutes of the, the most hilarious stuff you've ever seen on the on the screen. And Leo is absolutely outstanding. How he doesn't win an Oscar for this movie, but he won one for, for the Revenant is beyond me. I mean, it's, it's oh, that, that should have been his Oscar win right there. But that is my number four for Wolf really? of Wall Street. Really good choice. It, it was a, a well done film throughout, and all the humor and, and just a wild story. Jonah Hill, you mentioned John Bernthal. Um, who's that? Rob Reiner in it, too. It was great. Mm-hmm. Number four for me, we go to a more musical heavy biopic Bohemian Rhapsody. Ooh. Pretty recent one, too. Rami Malik bringing Freddie Mercury to the big screen and portraying one of my favorite singers and frontman of all time. Uh, you know, legendary singer of Queen. He had four octaves or he had three octaves, and I think it was rumored to have four. And he was just an unbelievable singer. And the cast around him, it was well done. Mike Myers has a little bit in it. And the story of Freddie Mercury is great in the forming of Queen, the, the bulk of it. But it, for me, it, what ties it all together at the end is one of the greatest musical performances of all time is the Live 8 performance that he does. And, and this is, you see the transformation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You see the transformation of Freddie Mercury from the more selfish and, and drugged out Freddie and, and fooling around Freddie to going and recorrect, reconnecting with his bandmates when, you know, he finds out that he, he's HIV positive and, and that ending, it's such a good climax. The, the way they shot it too is, is basically shot for shot. Like it, it was in live eight too. It's just really powerful. And, and obviously, you know, Remy Malik does his best to to try and capture Freddie Mercury. But for me, it's the, the Queen songs that are in it, too, that are so great. Uh, really fantastic recent biopic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you got a music pick on there for your list. My next one is also a music pick. My next one is a music uh, pick. I, it's on my list strictly for the performance alone. It, to me, is one of the most amazing performances I've ever seen in a movie. It is Jamie Foxx in Ray. Uh, and with him as Ray yeah. Charles. And listen... He wins the Oscar for this movie. He looks just like Ray Charles. He sounds just like Ray Charles. That is Jamie Foxx singing all of these songs in this movie. Just an outstanding performance. He's playing a blind man. He's he's singing like Ray. He's playing the piano. Um, Outstanding performances as well from Kerry Washington, who plays his wife in the the movie. Um, She's absolutely terrific. But... You know, you see the the pain and, and and what he had to go through. He was addicted to heroin. He was able to to kind of you know still uh, you know fight for social justice and, and and fight for his rights. He was banned from Georgia for for fighting for his rights. Eventually, they let him back into Georgia. They make his song the state song, um, and it's just an outstanding performance by Jamie. I, I love it so much. The music is terrific. The performances are terrific, but. If you're going to watch it for anything, as always, you watch it for Jamie Foxx. I think he is the most talented person that we have in Hollywood because he can sing, he can act. He's an outstanding comedian as well. He's had a hit sitcom. He's had Grammy you know, albums, and uh, he's got an Oscar on his, on his shelf too. 
him and Donald Glover, right? They're triple yeah. quadruple threats. They can direct, they can act, they can sing, they can do everything, man. Mm -hmm. Really a, a great, great film. Uh, keeping it with music, you know, yeah. I did go a little ensemble because this was a recent one. It was so fun and so good. Straight out of Compton. Yeah. Awesome one. This could easily be higher. I, I love this movie. The, the, the story of NWA is, is just so incredible and the individual storylines of Ice Cube and Dr. Dre and Easy, and then you you throw in Yella and you throw in everybody else into this this group that just really transformed hip hop and and coming out the streets of Compton, it was just so well done. And obviously, you know, Ice Cube and Dre were were big consultants for the movie and and seeing the the rise of of Dre. Uh, you know, spinning in, in, in those goofy ass outfits and, and the sort of techno more, you know, 80s centric and then going to to really pioneer gangster rap was just unbelievable. Like young Ice Cube in O'Shea Jackson Jr. in portraying his father was really great. And it's it's so cool that, you know, N.W.A.'s entire straight out of Compton album was uh you know, re-recorded by all these actors to help them get into character. I think that was a great choice for them as you see them recording here on your screen. And the actors, the the scenes where it had the comedy, it had the drama, of course, with, with Dre's, you know, younger brother dying and Easy es AIDS diagnosis. It was all so well done in the trajectory, the Suge Knight stuff. It, it was you had a Keith Stanfield sighting as Snoop Dogg it was it was really good it almost felt like you know you were cheated out of getting some more like a death row follow-up from from this movie uh but that's that's my number three it was a great one 100 I think a lot of people came out of that movie too um remembering how much of a badass Ice Cube was as a solo artist I think a lot of people forgot yeah. you know when he left NWA and he comes out with no Vaseline and he goes into those solo albums man he was on top of the world and, and that led him all the way to obviously you know writing Friday and, and, and doing his movie career as well but you know, Ice Cube was an absolute badass solo artist um I'm gonna go to, to music again for my number two but it is a completely different genre of music um it is Amadeus for number two yeah. Um, it is one of the best biopics of all time. It is uh, obviously about Amadeus Mozart and um, just how brilliant he was and, you know, quite frankly, just how batshit insane he was. Um, extremely well acted. The music is absolutely terrific. Um, it is, you know, it, it's a movie that won multiple uh, Academy Awards. Um, you know, the costume design, the set design, absolutely fantastic. It is an absolutely riveting movie from start to finish. I, I implore everybody, if they have not seen Amadeus before, you carve out a couple hours and, and you throw it on. I, you know, I'm not usually a, a huge period piece fan, um, but this is an absolutely outstanding movie. I, I always take exception to this one. Yeah, it's a great one. You saw it on Aldo's list as well. It's, uh, you know, the music of Mozart, obviously, is, is so incredible too. And and we, with a lot of these biopics, the, the resounding theme is how tortured a lot of these, these subject characters are and how uh, a lot of, you know, name one genius that ain't crazy, as Kanye used to say, right? Mm -hmm. uh, number two, for me, I, I will take a note from you, Ross, and it was Ray for me, and, and you, you said it all. Jamie Foxx is such an incredible talent, but this role won him an Oscar, and, and it was so well-deserved, the cast with Kerry Washington and, and everybody supporting and, and not. It was so well done, and, and, you know, what pulled it together is certainly Ray Charles's hand in it and how how essential he was to bringing it all together even till you know he was dying of, of liver failure failure late into 
post-production. Mm-hmm. He died in 2004 after the filming had ended, but he was able to sit through the first edit of the movie before his death. It just like gives me chills thinking about that. But but you said it all. I mean, Ray Charles, one of the, the greatest singers of all time and 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 transformed musical landscape. Um, and uh, I think he had the whole script, like, you know, obviously in Braille and, and just, you know, for, for him to... To, to pioneer, you know, between him and Stevie Wonder to to go with this medium and and just crush it and and do so well in the music industry and, and have so many hits, hit after hit. And Jamie Foxx just does such a great job. It's obviously the best best thing that Jamie Foxx has, has done to date. And um, yeah, it's it's iconic at number two for me. Agreed. What's number one? Um, no, number one is um, from the autobiography that that changed my life when I read it. Um, it is uh, a movie that is in my top five of all time and has never came out of my top five of all time. It is Denzel Washington's best performance of his career. It is Malcolm X um, from Spike Lee. And, you know, listen, the, the autobiography as told to Alex Haley, I read that as a very young man, 13, 14 years old. Um, it changed my life. And when I went to go see the movie, um, the movie also just riveted me. This is a movie that I watch easily once every two, three months. Um, it is a movie that you can literally break up into three parts because it takes you through from Malcolm Little to Malcolm X to Malik Al-Shabazz when he comes back from um, um, from, from from his pilgrimage uh, to where, where he's, of course, is tragically murdered. And it tells you about a man who, who changed and evolved over his years and became better as he got older. And um, he was quite frankly, he was murdered because he changed in the nation of Islam, uh, did not want him to change, did not want him to conform. He, he believed more in equality uh, as he got older and, and later on in his life. And he believed that, you know, violence wasn't the answer and, um, you know, everybody should be equal. And, um, you know, it, it's an absolute movie. I, I think that everybody should watch it at least once, definitely more than once. Um, it is a movie that I cannot wait to show my son when he is ready. And um, it's also, to me, the biggest travesty in, in Oscar history that um, the great Al Pacino got an Oscar for Scent of a Woman over Malcolm X, uh, over Denzel Washington and Malcolm X. And, and I think that's something that the Academy Awards will, will never forget that they made that mistake. Yeah, that's that's tough to put put Pacino ahead of Denzel in that category. Uh, that's That's a great film, and Malcolm X. And number one for me... Raging Bull, you mentioned at the top of your list. Uh, De Niro is Jake LaMotta with something else. And and talk about how these method actors go about their craft. And and we've mentioned a lot of great actors and great directors in this list. And and De Niro, this is, is just his epic. And the highs and lows of Jake LaMotta's career are captured so well by Scorsese and by De Niro and his transformation. Um, you know, of course, Joe Pesci opposite De Niro and a lot of the dialogue and and you know, Cavalleria, Rusticana, the 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 intro music while he's boxing, shadow boxing is so good. And and his life just you know, you talked about his weight loss and then weight gain is just so nuts and, and his uh never knocking me down, Ray. The, the lines, there's there's so many quotable moments and so many just really tough moments to watch too. And and that was really what stands out too. Is the real Jake LaMotta, when he saw the movie, he said it made him realize for the first time what a terrible person he had been. <laughs> and he asked the real Vicky LaMotta, was I really like that? And Vicky replied, you were worse. Yeah. And that's, that's a, a gut wrenching performance by, 
uh, De Niro, you know, and when I really started, you know, getting into films and I, you know, I went to Columbia College like Ross and really studying films. This was this one really stood out and, and obviously, you know, helped pave the way for Scorsese for a lot of huge projects and, and De Niro for his career to, to go on and uh, continue. So it was number one for me. Love it. Good list. Yeah. A fine list, I'd say. Great list. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great list. Uh, Bears predictions before we sign off. Uh, I'm going to go Bears 27, Texans 17. Ooh, all right. Give me a 30-burger. Give me 31 to 10, Bears. Nice. I hope the Bears inflict some pain on the lowly Houston Texans. We are out of time. We are over time. Uh, Don't forget to stay tuned at 9 o'clock, by the way. It's the Bear Debate with our boy, Lester Wiltfong. My guy. What's up, Lester? Junior from Windy City Gridiron and uh, Alda doesn't trust my Spanish. The Barroom's own Jordan Silvera uh, and uh, of course tomorrow morning Greg Gabriel's back to talk Bears and Texans. We got all your Bears coverage that you could need here on the Barroom Network. Thanks to everybody for listening in. Thanks to the Barflies uh, listening to us while of course they watch uh, Browns and, and Steelers at this point. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Follow me at the Real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. Catch all our previous shows on Spotify, iTunes. Mash that like button. Uh, You can always catch us live on YouTube. Uh, Everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy fall, the first fall day here. Uh, for, For now, we say deuces. Be good to each other out there. So long. Peace.